0: Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olsson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. My guests today are Ted Passon and Gregory Bernstein, investors at the Swedish VC company EQT Ventures. EQT invests in some of the most exciting new technology companies, many of them Nordic companies that have been featured in the pages of Scandinavian Mind, such as Einride, Heart Aerospace, Seek, Vario, and origin bio. In this conversation, we focus on their new strategy for investing in what they call frontier technologies. I've always been fascinated by how technology will change the way we live. And we really get deep into that topic here. In this conversation, Ted and Greg talks about the difference between frontier tech and deep tech, deep fakes and synthetic media, how technology can make production local again morality and ethics when working with tech how big technology companies of the future will operate and how frontier technologies can make sense through storytelling and getting inspired by popular culture don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events visit scandinavianmind.com newsletter here now my conversation with ted passion and greg bernstein of eqt ventures enjoy All right, I am here with uh, Ted Passion and Gregory Bernstein of uh, EQT. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you for having us, for having us. I um so excited about this i've been looking forward to have this conversation we're going to talk about frontier technologies what that means and what it means to have an abundance mindset so um
1: convergence mindset too convergence abundance sorry about
0: that yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) uh sometimes i mix those
2: terms up that's good
1: um ted do you have an abundance mindset
2: I was thinking about what that means. You have like a lot of things. Yeah, I got a lot of things right here. Yes, too too many things.
0: We're gonna try to get all those things into this conversation. Uh, but perhaps <laughs> perhaps just start with a little short uh, presentation of you guys. You you are investors at EQT. What are your roles respectively? Maybe Ted, you can start.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I'm. I was one of the uh, the people who set up the venture arm of, of EQT. EQT being a a big uh, alternative investor that has been around since the mid-90s. And we set up EQT Ventures back in 2014, 15, or something like that. And Mm. before that, I ran companies. um, I uh, founded uh, digital uh, transformation consultancies and and, and so forth.
0: Right. And Greg?
2: Yeah, I'm an investor with Ted and I had been working on
1: kind of the bigger side of EQT before. And Ted and I were kind of thinking about some of the trends that we were seeing and, and really start talking about ways to collaborate and uh, I think that really kind of came forth in, in what we what we decided to do in frontier tech so that's been kind of the journey that we've been on since then, which has been pretty cool
0: okay, so let's get into it I mean if, uh, part of why I want to do this is because at scan in mind, we always want to uh, look at where technology is taking us, so obviously that can mean. A lot of things, uh, but I'm personally always curious about what new technologies, what they can mean for society, what they can mean for business. And uh, when uh, you guys were kind enough to sort of, you know, let me look under the hood a little bit of of EQT, you showed me this document on on frontier technology um, that kind of outlines the strategy that you, you 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 both have have written or or crafted. Um, I, I became so interested. So. Let's talk about the definitions here a, a bit. Uh, some people say deep tech, there's something, a term that's been thrown around. You choose to call it frontier tech. Why is that?
2: Yeah, why is that, Greg? Why do we call it frontier tech? Well, <laughs> I think,
1: well, I mean, there's a couple reasons. I mean, first of all, deep tech uh, for a long time has been kind of a, a sector within VC. I think part of the reason why, we view it as frontier tech is that we believe that there's a renaissance going on in deep technologies. Um, that's really occurring now that we're in the beginning of, but is a kind of a return to really what kind of started venture capital. And so up until now, I mean, deep tech has had, you know, really, a really, you know, kind of specific definition, a lot of it's been around hardware, some of it's been hardware software integration, but it's starting to mean more. And, you know, we're going to talk about that, obviously, in terms of convergence, but um, it's actually pushing people to think more about Tech influencing their lives, tech influencing the way the countries interact with one another, mm. the way we interact with our own consciousness, the way we interact with nature, and so that's far more than just you know technology that's in the lab. Um, it's actually becoming a, a pretty pretty profound thing, and so we we really felt like that needed to be defined in a different way.
2: So I'm I'm thinking about it as as frontier tech is deep tech with a with a direction or kind of like applied, right? Deep tech. It's not uh,
1: just the actual tech.
0: It's how it's ex- used or. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, and sometimes
2: they can mean the same, and sometimes something that is deep tech m- might not necessarily be frontier tech, and the other way around. I think.
0: So, but just for someone who is not into the world of tech, uh, you know, what what is uh, what is reg- regular tech, quote unquote, and and frontier tech? I mean, you, you guys have been into uh, investing for a long time. Part of the reason you're doing this is because you want to look at what 's next in a way what 's the next type of investment that you are going to do so yeah. is, is there like a reg term, term for regular tech that differentiates this
2: so, so interestingly i think for for people who are not in tech, I think frontier tech is easier to grasp uh, right. maybe because if if you think about the future or you think about technology you you get images in your in your mind that might have appeared through science fiction or mm. Or or comic books or or something like that, and you have the flying cars, and you have robotics, and you have um, big solutions to, to to some of the biggest problems we we have around. And I think if if I'm at a dinner and I'm talking about that I'm a tech investor, I think most people think that those are the things most tech investors mm. invest into. Mm. And I think that's in a way where tech investing got started uh, in the first place in the '40s and the in the '50s. Um, but since then, uh, with the uh, um, this sort of internet boom and, uh, and and what came after, software has become the dominant um, type of technology that investors invest in. And in the beginning, I think uh, there was a lot of innovation and we saw a lot of very interesting plays in different parts of the stack, as we usually uh, call it, like in di- different layers of, of how you build something. So some some companies were building the infrastructure to build apps or or, or web services, and, and some were building the actual uh, user-facing uh, service. Um, but now, in a way, it's um, it's commoditized. There, there is so much going on, and uh, and it's as if um, every company being born today is a tech company in one shape or right or form. So I would say that traditional tech is now everything. Every company, every service. That's that's kind of like the baseline for uh, entrepreneurship nowadays.
0: Well, so c- could you say that, for instance, that the f- sort of first wave of investment that you guys have done have been into digitizing, tr- you know, traditional business models, for instance? I, I, I'm, I assume that's part of it. So uh, uh, e-commerce being you know, obvious yeah, example, yeah, yeah. like mm. you, digital e-commerce yeah. inst- instead of physical retail, for instance.
2: I mean, the, the, the theme for e Ventures when we got going back in 2015... Uh, was about digitalization. And I would say it's still about digitalization right. and, and what that leads to, that eventually everything around us will, will, will be touched by, by digital in one shape or, or form. Um, and early on, we, we said we will, of course, invest in, within quotation marks, traditional tech, uh, more software-oriented stuff, both on the consumer side... Uh, but on the B2B side. But early on, we decided that we, the investor that we wanted to become is an investor that also invests in the next big thing. Right. Um, and, um, and that could be software, but it could also be hardware, and it could be things that are um, unproven that still have technology risk um, in them. And if you think about some of the biggest... You know companies that are in
1: you know in the world today, SpaceX being one, Tesla being one, even Moderna, which was founded on a, a whiteboard at Flagship Pioneering in Boston, um, you know what a ten twelve years ago something like that, uh, you know biology company, basically on the premise that you know we hadn't had a pandemic in a while, mm. uh, and that probably someone should be working on that. I mean yes, there's software engaged in that, <clears throat> there's a lot of lab work, um, there's a lot of vision, all of that kind of coalesces around. Tech now, as Ted was saying, I mean, it's not, it's not just software. It's not just hardware. It's all really, um, you know, these are becoming platforms. And so some of the largest market caps, not just in Europe, but but in the U.S. and, and in Asia, sure, some of them are software, but there are other companies too that when we were really, when, when software is really coming on, that wasn't necessarily the case. At the beginning of venture capital and really, you know, pre-internet when the computer was being developed, those were the biggest companies in the world. And so we think that there's a bit of a return to that given the fact of like where we are in the cycle of innovation with software.
0: Well, let's get into the definition because it seems to me, I mean, one of, part of the reason I'm, I'm excited about this is because what you guys are working on or working towards with, with, with this type of definition is that is it just so much more important what, what what this could be, or what it can mean for for like humanity, uh, to, to to put it really broadly? But so, g- give me a a rundown of your definition of, of uh, uh, frontier technologies.
1: It's really five things. I mean, you hit on the first part, Conrad, which is it's big solutions to big problems. So, within society, the West, you know, probably the one that's really leading that I would say, and at least now, is around okay, what are the main issues that we need to solve both environmentally as well as within society? And those aren't problems that are just defined to software. They're not just defined to hardware. They're really big issues. Mm-hmm. Carbon capture being one that takes literally everything. It takes lab work. It takes enzymes to break down carbon. It takes big machines. You know, It takes real estate. It takes a huge infrastructure investment. It takes government subsidies, all of that stuff. And generally that creates a platform. So that, that's really step number two. You know, A platform um, that really allows you to work toward those solutions and feel like you're hitting milestones to do that. For that platform to work, we kind of get to number three, which is novel technology. You, you can't just you know, generate this stuff um, out of thin air. It, it takes quite a bit of work. Uh, and generally, that leads to point number four, which is that sometimes it comes from the lab, sometimes not. But generally, there's some type of scientific process that goes into that. Of course, that used to only happen at universities. Now it happens at AI startups, for instance, or uh, collaboration between universities or, or or government institutes. And generally, the fifth point is that if it has that type of scientific process that's involved, there's going to be intellectual property, and that intellectual property needs to be defensible. So um, t- when you take those five things together, and, and those aren't the only you know five characteristics, but when we think about what these technologies look like and, and how we think about them from, from an investable standpoint... Those characteristics uh we we like all of them, and we think they make sense for where a lot of this tech's going
0: okay, so given these five the the lens of of these five steps uh, what do you see uh, and how do you find it? I mean, you go out there and you try to find new you know innovations new uh companies perhaps things in the lab that can become a, a, a new frontier technology.
2: So, so the way this got started in the early days of Ventures, Adventures it was a bit more, I would say, reactive. Uh, we um, uh, obviously covered the Nordics; that's where we we're from, and then we branched out into into Europe. and And it's pretty remarkable how big the difference is in the number of startups now just versus five, six Mm -hmm. years ago. Back then, we could have every startup on on the radar. So so basically, every team uh, that did something within tech, we kind of knew or had on our radar. And then we backed a few of them. And I would say it was more, um, this is an interesting wave. um, This is an interesting problem. Let's uh, dig deeper and then uh, in some cases we invested in that company that sparked the wave in some other cases we invested in another company that we found through through the wave i think one of the first companies within this realm was um was vario which is a finnish company within the uh, immersive computing or vr ar right. space they 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 create the the highest resolution a like human eye grade resolution vr um so that's that was one of the first ones and and um I think the second one was uh, Einride or Heart Aerospace Hart. I think was the uh, the second one which is a Gothenburg based uh team um aiming to create a fully electric um airplane 19 uh, seater in 2025 2020
0: yeah. well, b- bo- Both both Einride mm. and, and Heart Aerospace is actually featured in the new issue of Scandinavian Mind in our mobility special so
2: Beautiful uh, <laughs> very very happy to hear that But then what we realized was that I think uh the the problems became more more clear, and the sheer amount of companies just became hard hard to keep track of. Right, and also I think like these companies um, became role models for more people in academia want to spin out. So uh, when Greg and I started working together now soon two years ago or a year right. and a half ago, we decided that we, we need a more proactive approach to this, and the the best. The, the best bet we have right now is to to do a few deep dives around problem spaces or problem areas, either that, or the convergence of different technologies. So so that could be um, high performance computing, for instance. Um, right. That was one of the first deep dives we uh, we did. Um, quantum. Which, uh, yeah, quantum being sort of one sub of that, okay. and, and, and made us uh, d- dive dive deeper into into that. And I think from that perspective, it was not so much. Solving a specific problem, rather, what can we, what can this new, very exciting technology, lead to? So mm. that was sort of w- one way to look at it. I think lately we've we've looked at a lot of um, various facets on on climate uh, and bio, f- bio, f- yeah. food, uh, materials, um, and yeah, now carbon capture. Um, so that's more starting with a problem and then looking for. Uh, various approaches to solving that uh, that problem
1: yeah and if you think about <clears throat> kind of the the investable landscape if you if you start with problem like ted said it that 's that 's really important obviously because that 's the point right that 's the intent to go into it but then if you stop at technology you you kind of miss the forest for the for the trees because if you just focus on the technology that 's developed that 's out there you 're not you 're not doing yourself any favors because you you can 't actually then see around the corner or try to see around the corner. And that's what we mean by, you know, convergence thinking, because the next step is, okay, what is it going to mean when this technology is mature? Well, if you focus exclusively on the technology, like how how is a quantum computer put together? That That's great. That helps you understand the space. But the use case is still unknown. Hmm. No one actually understands exactly how that's going to be used. That's being created every single day um, by these companies, by the scientists that are working with them, by the entrepreneurs that are there. And so- if you invest just in the tech or you invest just in the problem, that's not sufficient in our view. The ability that, to be a convergence thinker, which is where I think a lot of this is going, is to not only think about the way the company is intera- interacting with other platforms or other tech, but what is the, how does that relate to the problem that they're solving? And then how does that inform the technology roadmap that they're setting out? And so that, that's really the three lenses by which we look at it.
0: Right. But So how active can you be in, in that sort of convergence thinking that you're talking about? Can, can you push these companies to, to, towards use cases or towards each other? Or is there, is there practice like that? I think, it's,
1: I think it's happening pretty, pretty naturally. I mean, mm. we, we got back to kind of the point about we're in a renaissance. You know, most of the systems that we take for granted today were designed for purpose. They were designed actually for convergence, around, around applications, around a specific problem. The technology was built to that. You know, the internet, for instance, radar, another one. Um, and so we're seeing that in this technology as well, which is that companies are looking for use cases and they don't know exactly how it's, how it's going to play out. Mm. But the more that we see quantum do molecule sequencing, it's natural that that would occur because you're looking at phases of molecules, you need multiple states, there you have it. What would be built on top of that? And really when we started that process, we said, you know, the guys that were building the ENIAC at the University of Pennsylvania, could they have forecasted Fortnite? Of course not, right? Where are we going to get to with this technology? We're not out there to say that, well, because we're investing in quantum today, we think that that's going to result in, in something that we're just going to make up. But we know that if you enter into it with that convergence mindset, uh, you can make some decent guesses about where we could be in an investable universe.
2: I think it's a great reflection or representation of innovation at large. I mean, mm. some innovation happens because we decide as humanity that we have to solve a problem. Um, for instance, put a man on the moon, uh, if, if that now is a problem. It was it was a challenge, at least. Um, but a lot of innovation happens out of accident or out of curiosity or out of looking for solutions to one thing, and then you found some, something else that could be used in, in some other ways. And I think you can look at this on sort of the deeper end of technology, but also within applications. Like, did we is, is Instagram a solution to a problem, or is that just like, Someone trying to figure out what it means to have a a camera in your in your phone. Mm. So I think it's it's the same thing. It's it's both sides of that, of that coin.
0: Well, so in in our conversations uh, beforehand, you you have made an analogy to uh, kind of the forties and where we were then in terms of computing. Yep. Uh, Greg, you you mentioned this to me, and I, I what do you mean by that? I, I thought it was interesting to go into that in terms of these types of technologies because there's something else that you know everything we've been doing so far in, in traditional tech or standard tech or whatever we call it in the beginning is like the computer, right? right. Uh, uh, and, and now we're looking at a whole different playing field of sorts.
1: Yeah. Well, the return that we that we think is just by trying to use history as our guide and just say, okay, if this, if this cycle has happened before, what can we learn from the previous time? Well, what we learned from the previous time thus far is that computers were built to solve a specific problem. The stack that was then built on top of that has resulted in, you know, one of the greatest advancements in, you know, basically in the history of human beings, which is that, you know, we, we not just have the internet, we're able to pull people out of poverty. All of that was fundamentally built on this wave of innovation that happened. Um, and it happened, you know, it happened over a lifetime. That's, that's the pace has now picked up. Um, and so we think that we're in we're kind of in a return to that because of a couple factors. The first is that the computer was really built back when we really you know kind of great power rivalry was at you know its peak, right? Post World War II, U.S. versus Soviet Union that drove an enormous amount of innovation. It drove R and D levels to the highest that they've ever been, at least in the West, the United States, and 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 what was left of Europe at the time. Mm. Um, and that really kind of dominated the innovation cycle. So. Radar was built for specifically military purposes. Um, the internet, afterwards, of course, but the first computers were also built to to run a lot of those run a lot of those systems. Um, that that level, which then, of course, gave birth to to venture capital later on in in the seventies, when um, the, the kind of the original venture capitalists realized that there was a pretty good idea to back some of those companies that had come out of that boom. Where we are today is, you know, kind of a similar dynamic. You know, it's really undetermined in terms of what's going to happen between the West and China, but it's in everybody's interest to keep that, uh, you know, as cold for as long as possible and as peaceful for as long as possible. But it's not just that. It's human beings versus climate change. It's, yeah. it's people versus institutions. You know, we're seeing massive shakeup happening, you know, within the societal fringes or even in the center. You know, people are questioning an enormous amount of, an enormous amount of societal norms. You know, we're seeing that in terms of people versus automation. And all of those factors are kind of coalescing at the same time. That when you start to look at a tech, you're, or a piece of tech, or, or a, you know, an invention that's come out, you're not really sure where it plays. All the use cases are there because these, back to this convergence thinking, we're seeing all of those challenges coalescing pretty much at the same time. Uh, and feeling like it's accelerating. And most people in terms of thinking about solutions and thinking about problems, look to tech as to say, hey, we should be able to invent our way out of this. And you can look at that with, with a you know healthy, healthy dose of uh pessimism, but you know, I think our job is to be the opposite and, and be actually excited about what tech can mean, you know, in the next twenty five to, to forty years.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh you know, speaking about optimism, um uh, i'm i 'm curious to see to hear your take on because some of these technologies as you said we don 't know where we 're going to end up with it and uh you know fifteen years ago twenty years ago, no one knew like a, a you know an app that 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 tracked who who or your friends could interfere elections and that type of stuff there 's a lot of debate around that at the moment. How do you as investors and when you talk to uh, the companies that you invest in? How do you talk about these sort of moral issues regarding technology? Is this something that you have in your um, conversations at all how do you how do you ta- tackle
2: this mm. i mean we, we are um, we have nordic roots um, and and I think um, in in many ways we are in the, in the front lines of, of of these sort of facets of of not just technology but but sort of society mm. so I think that has been one of the entry points into conversations with 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 companies from from the beginning it's it's kind of interesting it's almost as if there are two types of founders there's the like deeply technical founder who does not feel it's his or her responsibility to 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 think about these mm. these um these facets and then there are uh, the opposite people who who uh, who take it very seriously but i think the the solution is to to have a a discussion around it, and not just a discussion in between an investor and the founder, but to to open up the discussion to to more people and to society. Um, what, one thing that I've thought about a lot is speed, because it's it's when things are happening super quickly, things can go a bit a bit wrong. So, so I also think uh, allowing things to take a bit more time, uh, if possible, because sometimes mm-hmm. technology is explosive. Um, I think that's an, another another facet. Um, but for sure, something we are we're we're spending a lot of time on, um, not just on the frontier tech side. I mean, thinking about we're looking at a social media company right now, for instance. And I mean, so, social media is is for sure uh, very dual in in in, in what it's uh, what is bringing to the world. In this case, it's something that might affect young people uh, as well. And our advice to to those founders has been just make sure that you have people with all perspectives around the table, because mm-hmm. if you only have people on the board who are maximi- uh, so optimizing for uh, maximized returns, then yeah, the outcome most likely is pretty, is pretty given. You, you need all those facets and may- maybe even more so with these types of new technologies that we don't really know exact- exactly what they are just yet.
0: Right. So the what are the technologies that you don't I mean uh, an elect- electrical plane is pretty straightforward everyone can sort of imagine sure. what the why that's good and and perhaps also uh, why there's a huge challenge in, in making it happen but what are some of the technologies that are more uncertain in terms of outcome?
2: I would say even an, an electrical plane is uh, right. I mean there are a lot of lot of perspectives on on that and and how you what is the problem you're... you're Tackling uh, uh, how how are you solving it? Mm. Uh, uh, who, who are the players around it? How much do you dock into existing infrastructure or into the way it is now to get something out quicker? Versus how much do you sort of solve the more uh, foundational um, problems? Mm. Uh, so yeah, I would say basically around around everything, but uh, there are some that might be a bit more a bit more given. I think. Uh, and this is not just frontier tech, but I think mm. gaming, uh, like spending a lot of time and and optimizing software uh, to uh, to make you spend a lot of time and a lot of energy into something. I think that's that's something that's interesting. I think synthetic media. I think it's very interesting, like sort of application of of deep fakes and stuff like that, which is I think extremely interesting technology. But projecting out and start to think about what this could could lead to is also very very interesting. Um, i would say everything i mean yeah i mean i, I also think we haven't quite the,
1: the verdict is not out on climate right i mean previously the climate tech bust from you know call it 10 you know 12 years ago whatever that was 15 years ago yeah i mean a lot of that was because you know the, the most government subsidies got ahead of uh, you know where the where the tech was and and i think since then when Al Gore has said that this is you know the greatest investment opportunity ever or you know of this generation at the at the right. very least, you know the question becomes okay what is that really first of all what does that really mean and then second of all do are people taking that seriously and I think it's easy in a forum like this or you know when we talk as a team to get really excited about where climate tech is going or or the way that people are thinking about that, but mm-hmm. at the same time like the stuff that's out there i mean what we're in, what we're confronting today is getting realer by the day and we actually don't know you know how that's going to impact impact people's psyche the way that they're going to inter- interact like i was talking before with their institutions what happens you know when people lose faith in institutions ability for instance to confront this challenge we're we're actually just at the beginning of yeah. that and my view is that most people are going to turn to tech because that's what they've done thus far: is turned to tech for answers, again for hope, for okay, what, how can I make sense out of this that's happening in the news? Right, we're having re- kind of organization of news platforms, we're having reorganization of the way that people interact with, um, interact with their communities, and that's driving, you know, some tech to be very local. Right, people are questioning supply chains, and, and COVID really. Prove that out, most people are saying, "Oh, I actually want to focus back in on my community, not that global like globalism is going to go anywhere, but that I actually need to be more focused locally and so we're seeing that you know not just in not just in tech but also in bio I mean precision fermentation, a company we just invested in uh, in the cheese space that's a big part of their thesis, which is around you know people are going to need not just you know materials but they're going to need food that's created locally farms precision fermentation which actually uses microorganisms to generate things like cheese, um, leather, which is you know being today being even created by mushrooms. Um, all of that, if you think about like a return to things being being local and, and being near near where people are, there's that relates back to even bigger trends, which are we have an enormous problem of the, pop, the global population getting to the point where we're not going to be able to feed everybody. there's not going to be enough places for people to live where they have access to, resources and essential services. And so that being undefined, I think, is, is it's, it's tough to know. The verdict's still pretty, pretty far out on that.
0: So going back to this uh, big solutions to big problems perspective.
2: Yep. Right. I, th- I think so, but it's also interesting. I mean, we, we, we are an investor investing in companies, obviously. Mm, right. But another aspect of that is that how much can one company Solve. Can, yeah. can, can, can we fix something by investing in one company? So then you start thinking, in, okay, should we invest into a value chain or into an ecosystem? Uh, is, is that a more viable way of doing it? And then, and then that puts a lot of things about being an investor on the edge. Because one thing, for instance, that, that has been almost like holy in investing in that you don't back competing companies you, you pick one that you think is a leader but in many of these these challenges we we need <laughs> we need more than one company uh we need a lot of them so yeah I, I think uh i think we'll see a new type of investor coming out of this as well um and that's these are questions we're discussing a lot internally
0: uh, do you come up to a point where it's almost i mean infrastructure would like is it really yeah. the the <clears throat> business world's role to to take care of these problems I mean, some, I would imagine with energy, you know, new types of vehicles, you need a new type of grid and so forth. Uh, how do you how do you think about that?
1: I mean, I would link that right where we started the conversation. Again, the birth of our industry, venture capital, came when you had collaboration between all of those entities. Right. Academia, governments, private capital um, that actually were coalescing around a specific problem. Now, all of them... Had different motivations. They all, you know, some profited, some some didn't. Um, but that actually was like the fundamental ground by which all of this started to happen. And so, you know, do you need that? Of course, you need that. What does that collaboration look like in a world where we're all connected? And um, you know, you used to have to travel to a conference somewhere where government officials would discuss. Now that's happening on FaceTime or Zoom. Um, in a world in which you know we have rising sea levels, and you know, uh, like Ted was talking about,
2: great uh, government—they're in Microsoft Teams; they're not on FaceTime. Or that's Zoom. true. I missed Microsoft yeah. Teams. Yeah. We're on Webex.
1: Like, what is that? But you know, what what does that mean? Like, no, we don't know. You know, I mean, we're, we're we're going through the process of trying to, you know, to make sense of that, and then also look for opportunities within that, which is the most exciting part of the job.
0: Right, right. But so, I mean, I would imagine that. Some part of what you're doing is trying to find companies that can become the next like biggest company in the world type of situation. I mean, now we have you have Facebook didn't exist. What is it, twenty years ago or fifteen years ago? Right. Uh, is it? Is it? Are you? Do you have that lens? Are you? Are you chasing that at all, or is that just more like a consequence to to working in this direction?
2: Well, I mean that that is that is our job. Yeah. Basically, I mean we're we're investors. We're investing um other people's money. So we're investing. Uh, pension funds money or an insurance companies money or family offices money or sovereign wealth funds uh, money and and the, the, our business model is to make their money grow mm. and, and return more than they invested. So yes, that has to be our lens. We're we're also one of the largest VC platforms uh, in in Europe. So uh, any given company would have to be able to become pretty big for it to make sense for us to to back it. Um, I think it's more about risk uh, because uh, it's it's when you really back one of those companies that that could become really big, that's when you can get those returns. Mm. But it's, it's it's not all proven because, I mean, there are a lot of companies where you can really see, ah, this is exactly how this company will grow over the next three, three to five years. Many of these companies that we have backed are highly unproven, but we're trying to get as comfortable with, with the risk as we can internally on our team. But I mean, how many are we? Great? We have thirty people on the venture side, um, so we have to use a lot of advisors, um, external advisors, and experts and stuff like that, and build out networks of people who can who can help us navigate this this world.
0: So, but do you think that some of these technologies or some of these companies will be like that that big? Is, you know can you give us some examples <laughs> what, yes, what, what will we do. what will like the biggest <laughs> companies look like yeah what? but if
2: if if you take if you take uh, enride for instance yeah. uh, swe- sweden based um electric and autonomous trucking company uh and then you think about um uh, how how big of a problem or how big of a footprint uh, globally from a carbon perspective that that comes from road transport is mm. it's in the is like high high sing, single digit percent to low double digit percents uh, so that it's it's a very big big problem uh, and sure you when, when you look at what uh, what truck manufacturers are, are talking about they're talking about electrification and stuff like that but nothing right. is happening at all hmm. they're, they're, no one is delivering uh trucks and then you have this uh, this Swedish company um trying to change that and 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 really being on the on the sort of barricades of of that of that movement Um and right now, the, the biggest challenge is, I mean, the demand is there, the customers are, are there. The, big, the biggest challenge right now is just to, to, to get, get trucks out the door. Um, but there, there so many, um, there's so much red tape and there's so many legacy reasons for why this has not been accelerated uh, faster. But th- thinking about something like Enright, I mean, th- they could be the world's largest electrified and in the future autonomous truck operator right. that, that could be one of the biggest companies we've right. seen coming out of Europe super hard I mean mm. imagine all the, the, the components they have they have to figure out to to make that happen but I think that's that's one, one great example um, Greg, Greg if you want yeah to- no I
1: mean another one that we're excited about just in terms of that kind of scale thinking is origin bio which is um, a big part of this synthetic biology movement which is trying to replace all the materials um, you know, that we use every day, you know, from shampoo to your watch band to, you know, the chair, the, the filament that's on the chair that, you know, that I'm sitting on. Um, all, most of that, if not, you know, the, the vast majority is is uh, generated from petrochemicals, which, you know, has its origin, of course, in, in, in oil. And, you know, what we've learned is that, you know, the processes that are now mature within synthetic biology actually allow us to create all those materials with nature co-design. When Ted and I were just talking with a friend of ours yesterday around his, his thesis on nature co-design. And that's... If you look at the actual demand, which is D- define
0: nature co-design.
1: <laughs> that's I think that's a completely separate topic.
0: Yeah, yeah you, you, have, you have
2: to you have to invite uh, Masumi here. Yeah, uh, yeah, Kote- he has a, has a ble- beautiful chart about Very, this on his yeah. iPad.
1: But I mean, if you think about how many materials we need to be replaced, I mean, we're talking to a multinational right now that told us, hey, we're going to replace 5,000 ingredients. Or Wow. And, and think about how many multinationals are out there that have that many ingredients. It's a lot. Mm. And Think about if you go to the grocery store, how many bottles of shampoo are there? How many are bought a day? And all of that can be basically redesigned with microorganisms. And so if you think, like, from, uh, from our perspective, what can be the biggest company in the world? Sure, I mean, an app can go onto everybody's phone. But if you go into any supermarket, anything that is petrochemical-based can be replaced today, not, not fully today. I mean, we're just in the beginning of the symbiote movement, but can actually be replaced by natural codes, or by natural processes.
2: So an app can go on any, anybody's phone, but shampoo can go on anybody's hair. <laughs> anybody's hair, that's <laughs> exactly. true. Exactly. That's, true. That's, that's true. It's It's deep. Deep.
1: deep. So we're looking for platforms yeah. like that. I mean, we're looking for you know, companies that have, A, that ambition, but yeah. then also understand that when you have this type of shift within society, Ted talked about electrification. Mm. I, I mean, this move back to people saying, hey, do our processes make sense? Does it make sense? Uh, economics aside, does it generally make sense just to pump carbon into the atmosphere? It used to, but as we've gotten to scale and we have more people on the planet, it, it doesn't make sense. Okay, then we bring in the economic side of it, which arguably some people start with that. But I think when we try and think about the problem, it's the same thing. Does it make sense that we continue to cut down rainforests to graze more cows to you know, do both meat as well as dairy. If we're gonna have 10 billion people on the planet, that fundamentally does not make sense. Mm. And so are there new solutions around that? And then A, can we invest in that? And B, how could that become a very large company? All of those things are, are currently happening. And that, that's why I think we're pretty excited about not just the shift in terms of thinking within society and, and the way that people are pushing toward that, but actually the opportunities to become a very big company are there.
0: Let's talk about storytelling for a moment because I think, it, you know, it's fascinating on the topic of frontier technology. There's a lot that has to be kind of explained, yep. uh, perhaps envisioned, uh, perhaps made up. We mentioned before that we don't know where some of these technologies will land and how they will sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, play out. Um, has the sort of traditional pitch deck changed at all? Whatever, when you're out looking, you know there's there's this. Uh, I've 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 done uh, you know not a big dip in 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 doing startups myself, but I know there was this sort of traditional ten deck. You're supposed to do like the solution here, the problem here's the solution here's the team and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, has that changed? Because this is much more complicated. You can't just do like super simple, uh, scaled back uh, pitches like that.
2: I think if you if you look at what you call traditional tech the mm. sort of software oriented startup the uh, the team there used to be like a bunch of college dropouts uh, tech geeks um, got going on something and then uh, eventually they, they they found some type of product market fit and then they scaled it uh now i would say the that type of tech startup is is very mainstream so so you have like all the people around the table you have the the business person you have the marketing or design person you you have the the tech person it's more kind of like a balanced team but it's also more more mainstream um looking at frontier tech um it's still still in the phase where it's very technical so so the 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 people founding these companies they have different motivations sometimes they're not even not in it to solve the big problem we we might have to sort of help them connect them to that Mm. To that problem, but even right. if they want to solve this problem, it's um, <laughs> the the decks look more like a sort of scientific thesis uh, versus something that is <laughs> gives you goosebumps. Yeah. So, so, so one thing we realized early on when we set up Big Adventures is that we 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 obviously have a lot of people around the table, and if we do this right, we can we can support a lot. So, one third of our team are so called operating partners. So we support in storytelling, uh, branding, data, talent things like that. And I think supporting um, Frontier Tech founders with storytelling is one of the most rewarding and most fun Mm. parts of this job because it's not just helping them put the slides in the right order. It's basically helping them take things away and and decide what to do. So it's basically a sort of strategy formation. And I I think uh, back to the sort of moon moon race or the space race, uh, putting a man on the moon, I think that that is such a great example of of something working on all levels from something that is so easy to understand It's so visual it's a, a picture of a human being standing on earth and then an arrow going to <laughs> the moon it's so simple and then that gave birth to all these fantastic technologies um and in many cases technologies that that were used for for bad as well but but still it's something that that mobilized people and i think some of these new technologies take quantum computing for instance it's it it it's fascinating and and if you start really really trying to understand what this is and how it works it's it like it's it's very foundational about how the world works and 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 and, and such but it's 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 very complicated uh so so daring to choose one story or one narrative i think is is one of the keys keys for sure. Um, so we're doing a lot of lectures with Frontier Tech founders around this, together with Slush, for instance, now, mm-hmm. now in um, in December and, and and so forth. And I think some of that is
1: also around like what you're actually backing. I mean, a lot of times you talk about backing founders or ba- you know backing an idea, but in these technologies, the best founders actually put the tech or or what do you, what what would you even call it? Not even like the tech, like nature front and center, right? Mm. If you're, if you're investing in quantum and you're investing in a founder, I mean, sure, you're investing in a founder, but you're investing also in a process that we, that we're just, the common phrase is if you understand quantum, you don't understand quantum, right? Like if that's, if that's, (laughs) if you're you're not humble before like what's actually happening once you're backing Mm. uh, and you're not putting that front and center, you know, you're going to end up in a place that you probably don't want to be. I mean, founders can take things a very long way. But in these type of technologies where, you know, you're allowing microorganisms to grow protein, for instance, the founder, of course, is the vehicle for that. And we're the vehicle that we're promoting and helping the founder along their journey. But the ones that really understand this shift and understand that they are in this period of innovation that is really driven by these natural processes, whether it's quantum or, or precision fermentation, or really almost, you know, electrification as well, right? They put that front and center. And so the storytelling around that is really multifaceted, and that's where I think like someone like Ted, who has such an incredible mind for that, like he, he can actually help founders put those pieces together because it's not always so easy to mm. to take something out of the lab or help you know a scientist. I mean, neither of us are scientists, right? So trying to help somebody who has that mindset with, that, or maybe then with a commercial founder, put those pieces together so that people can actually grapple with it and understand what's going on. It's a lot of fun, but it's also really challenging because historically these technologies haven't gotten that same type of market adoption. We would argue because the storytelling piece and the brand development around it has been much more hype-centric and less around what are the pieces that need to come together for this to be successful and also to address the problem directly.
0: Right. And, but I'm thinking also about it in terms of after the investment has been done, or perhaps even after the the problem has, like the technological problem has been solved, yeah. and something that I'm, I spend a lot of time thinking about, and and you know I, that we're actually using the Scan Mind platform for, is try to sort of understand concepts as they are sort of emerging. Um, we we mentioned the metaverse before with mm. with this sort of AR. Uh, Vr technology it 's the last just the last six months have seen a, an explosion in that term everyone 's talking about it Facebook just announced they want to be a metaverse company uh, roblox the same thing mm. um, from the worlds of sort of fashion we see fashion brands going into d- completely digital spaces and I see like th- th- there 's such a there's a need to talk about uh, concepts and and uh, you know having uh, End consumers, or like the world at large, understanding them before they can be applied. Do you see where I am going with this? Are you are you helping the the companies with this as well once they're sort of up and running?
2: I think I think uh, what you are calling concepts, uh, I call ideas, uh, or yeah, could be concepts or ideas. But if if, if there is an idea floating around around something, uh, that's that's amazing. Uh, that's kind of like a mental hook that somehow emerged out of culture and, and now it's now it's a thing right um, then you're if, if you if you manage to time technology and such an idea then you're kind of lucky it's just taking the technology and that's hanging it, hanging it on the mm. on the hook of the of the idea I think that the challenge is when the idea is not really there uh, mm. so so uh, quantum computing for instance i don't think that idea I think is a, a bit lacking because it can be so many different things I'm, I'm sure that idea will emerge and it will come out of I think one or many different use cases. Shortly, and and those ideas they merge and they um, they sort of demerge and they mm. decouple and they evolve into different different things. I think the metaverse. If 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 you take the idea of the metaverse and compare that to the concept of cyberspace, like the old concept, it's it's like a minuscule mm. difference, but it makes a big big uh, big change, big difference in right. in the end. Just those two shift of, of perspective mm. um, but I think the other side is that now, now since the metaverse now for some, for some reason became a big big trend and people who don't know what it is start saying the word and it's being amplified, that now means that every company you had like different versions of mm. the metaverse idea are trying to adapt to this unified <laughs> concept or idea of, mm. of the metaverse uh, and, and then it, it might fade away and so, so I don't think it's entirely good. I I, I saw a slide that, that I liked. What do you mean fade away? The term will fade away because it no. becomes so general, or yeah, there there are trends. We uh, there, there are trends or ideas uh, emerging and and uh, and um, and disappearing every six months mm. uh, uh, all the time, um, and and they 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 came in they come in waves. Uh, so I think. One has to be a bit careful as well. We're having a lot of discussions around this with with Vario. I mean, they, they've been they've been at the metaverse or whatever for for, for almost uh, almost six years now. Um, like, how how all in should you go into a hype or into an idea mm. when you have your own identity and, and your own version of that? I, I I saw a slide which I liked, which was I think it was on on the on the left side. There were like twenty different. Themes, ideas, concepts, and then just arrows. Metaverse, 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 mm. metaverse. So the metaverse can mean like like everything, but it's also very powerful. But because now all of a sudden uh, VR, we've been in a VR winter for, for for quite some time, and everyone is waiting for sort of uh, AR devices. This metaverse idea, exactly. I think this could be sort of the precursor or the vanguard of sort of an, a new a new wave here, which and is which is cool.
1: If you play that out, like in quantum as well because it's undecided we're like we could be on a tipping point within a couple years and i think that's what everybody's waiting for in which it will become more defined back to like this notion of convergence where we we for instance if quantum is used for uh you know molecule sequencing on drugs right and we're able to get some major drug that that either you know cures a disease or makes a major advancement Obviously, that industry is going to go. Is going to all the money is going to funnel in that direction, and that will very much define the innovation cycle because it's done something. It's done something useful. We we don't know when that will happen, but that's what everybody's pushing. Or you know, seek a company we backed. You know, is going to be working shortly on you know enzymes for carbon capture. You design the right enzyme, we're able to get you know how many metric tons. You know, hopefully millions of metric tons out of the atmosphere a year. I mean. Yes, that is a ways away. But if that happens, that is exactly what we'll define. And that will be the defining moment for this technology and what it's able to do. And so we're always trying to think about, are those use cases real? What's the timeline by which they can come to fruition? And if they do come to fruition, what is then the, like, like Ted was saying around the metaverse, like how, how will that then become its own community, its own platform? Mm. You know, For instance, in quantum, we're still really in the early stages of, of software, for instance. But if you draw that thread out you know, and it, it the adoption is in pharma, most of the software then, if you think about what a quantum software company would look like, most of it would then be around pharma or same thing for climate or logistics uh, or, you know, uh, model sequencing for, you know, financial companies, right? We, we don't know, but we can at least put those stakes in now to say, okay, if this works, this is where we think it could ultimately go
2: to. But it's very cool with, with the climate, yeah. uh, for instance, which... which Obviously, it's not a new new problem. We, we've known about this for for a long time, but it's been one of those let's fix it later <laughs> later challenges. Right. But it's it's inter- and I've always thought about that from a sort of storytelling perspective, and I, I remember thinking, okay, the day when the tabloids start writing about this, then it will be solved. And then the tabloids started writing about it, and and it was not solved. But we're, I think we're we're now on some type of tipping point when we're finding that story to make it. Actionable somehow because it always felt very abstract and you, you, uh, timelines were abstract, actions were were abstract. But 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 now it's becoming more more concrete. So I think it, it has to. I mean, sometimes it takes time for that narrative to to sort of solidify right. somehow. In this right. case, it took too long time, obviously. Mm. But now it's it's there.
0: Um, what makes it concrete now? Do you think?
2: I've been thinking about that. I don't know if it's mm. a critical mass in in. Uh, in believers and in urgency mm. uh, or if it's that we now have like a first wave of solutions so th- th- that people know about and can sort of re- retell stories about when you talk to your parents mm. they they, mm. they kind of now na- it's not just this abstract problem they 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 know how to to fix it and and, and you can sort of that mental hook again to, to hang it up on but i I don't really know, but uh it it feels way more tangible. Or it's it's the financial markets right now or it's 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 hype. I mean, just the difference from last year to yeah. to this year in, in our job. I mean, last year companies trying to solve these problems with, with an amazing upside had a big problem raising capital. Right uh, over overnight after Biden, after after sort of uh, people realized that the world was was not going under financially because of covid mm. things just changed overnight now climate tech is the hottest thing out there which makes me very very happy
1: i think some of it too like second all of ted's points but some of it too is like the closeness that people feel to it largely like because we have access to so much information and we have access to everything real time where you know 50 60 years ago if you heard about a wildfire somewhere you know you heard about it and, and it was gone today because everything's front and center for all of us. Right. The closeness of that, I think people they they feel as if the world is quite is quite small. You know, and it is and it isn't, right? I mean, but at the same time like you have that connection to all these communities or you know somebody there or you know if you're there like you can you can FaceTime that person that's experiencing either a wildfire or a flood.
2: Hmm. And so
1: I think that drives people to like fundamentally ask the question like how small back to the community point like how actually small is my community. I remember when the, um, uh, when the hurricane or the, um, the, the, uh, tsunami in Japan, right. When I was kind of hearing about the, (laughs) you know, all the trash that was washing up in in California. And I talked to a friend who was saying, yeah, it is a little bit of a strange situation to be thinking about something that happened far away that then washes up on the beach that I, that I go and and surf at or or walk my dog on. But, but that's happening across the board now in climate. People are seeing smoke, you know, up in the North pole or, you know, New York City, Washington, D.C. is seeing smoke from the West Coast or or it happens in Europe now as well. So that re, like rediscovery of the fact that we actually are more connected than we think, I think is driving people to either experience it directly or say, I literally can't ignore this anymore. And so what's the solution? And that's driving it toward tech.
0: Hmm. Let's stay on this, this, this storytelling theme for a while. I'm, I'm always curious uh, and perhaps uh, forgive a nerdy question, but, you know, there's always this sort of um, – connection between um, uh, technology thinking and popular culture and you know yeah. science fiction as yeah. uh, science fiction writing has, has sort of pre predated a, a lot of the, the things that we are experiencing t- today and I think uh, Nick Bostrom who has the simulation argument mm. I think he came up with that the same year uh, that The Matrix came out so there's kind of like a, some kind of symmetry there mm. uh, so I guess my question to you guys is do you look to popular culture at all? Is that part of Maybe you can't admit that here. Uh no, but no, no, are, no. Is, is that that part of your, your thinking in a way or inspiration for, for thinking about this stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean I, I think that's why I became an investor. I think that's really? why I think technology is is exciting. Uh, and I, I'm not sure it's because I was watching movies or reading reading comic books or, 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 or books for that matter. I think it's more about being being excited about the future and sort of thinking about what the future can can be. Um, so one of the things that I'm I'm using for myself is to to think about if this if this technology uh, or this company could be uh, could become so important so that they um, it could be part of a positive science fiction movie about a positive future mm. and 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 if it's I mean how long is a movie two hour and a half two hours I mean you cut out most things that is not core but could this company be dominant or present in 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 something something like that so totally i think it's super interesting but on on a slightly sort of de- deeper deeper perspective what is interesting is that i i think science fiction is influencing us all it's kind of this collective idea about the future that we want or want to avoid or um or something like this. And there are different versions of it and, and it just like the ideas we discussed earlier, it mutates and you steal ideas and two ideas merge and and so forth. So so I think every researcher, every every founder, uh, every investor has that somewhere. But then when we when you sit down with a with, uh, with the Frontier Tech founder and and you, and you talk about these things and say, let's latch on to something from popular culture or let's make this as easy to understand or as visual mm. as Yep. as if Tony Stark had 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 produced it then there is resistance because uh when you reduce uh the um the granularity also uh sort of gets lost somewhere and you have this um this uh, how to say this fight for everything being accurate so there's this right. contrast in between those two mm. and and also in the sort of scientific community i mean I mean, you said it also. Do, do you dare to admit that? I mean, f- from from one perspective, of course, you you want to be a company that looks like uh, a science fiction company that everyone can relate to. Mm. but it's also a bit like Donald Duck uh, <laughs> there somewhere. But I think it's super fascinating, and I think the the the, the, the best examples are when, when, you, when you embrace that, but you manage to f- find a way to tell that story. But it's still accurate, but it's just like on a on a like higher zoom level you don't need to go into all the uh all the details
1: for me it's in music too i mean i i I love kind of thinking about you know <laughs> not just like how music has defined us but how it's also really like it inspires a lot of the founders that we're with and I find the connections I have with founders a lot of times are around kind of music to start with and it also very much defines their personalities. Ted and I like to refer to like when we're really going is like jazz and roll, which is which is really fun because the best founders are improvising, right? They're mm. using technology to create something new, and then they're they're kind of working with the with one another to, to do that. And you can kind of get that in their personality, which is which is fun. So it's not a surprise that you connect with them around that. But then other things that are happening when they when they really connect, or you really feel like you connect with them, and then you really understand the way that they're not just leading their teams or engaging with their teams, but um, you know, the way that they fundamentally think about life. And for me, that's like the most important thing, because when we're doing this, you know, we're we're doing it short to, to make a return. But at the end of the day, we, we we want to do it because we're around people that we a think are interesting and then B, you know, just, just are, are excited and curious about what they're doing.
0: That's interesting. I wasn't expecting that one. The music could be the connector that way. It's fascinating. I could go on for a while. Right. <laughs> I, I know you can. <laughs> I think the the most important, one of the most, uh, uh, you know, interesting guys in terms of popular culture is the director called Alex Garland, who did, uh, I think, as, to my knowledge, the only, uh, where it's a TV series called Devs that had a quantum computer at the yeah. center of it. Um, I'm sure people reference quantum, but he really—I think he really uh, took his time to research what it what it could be. I don't know. Um, perhaps you've seen it. Perhaps not. I
2: I actually started watching it with my girlfriend when we did due diligence or yeah. did a deep dive, oh, and, and actually, I actually actually yeah. couldn't watch it then. It's like. It was a bit too uh, <laughs> a bit too inaccurate. And also, you know when you're like uh, when you you're learning a language and it starts interfering with the language you already know. It's <laughs> just like wait, was this Deb's or don't was, want this to step into a room was this something? Was I read. Some yeah. So it's just like uh, so so, so Deb's is on my watch list for the future. Right,
0: um, right. Well, I, I, I had an interesting take on it, but uh-huh. uh, and I'm I'm sure you guys know more about what what's accurate
2: or not. D- did you watch it, Greg?
1: Only when you to- when we were because <laughs> when you took that picture and put it in there, I.
2: I watched it
1: on the, the one slide that you...
2: Yeah, I, tried the, to, yeah I referenced it yeah. in some story or an yeah. announcement okay. or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: But I think it's interesting because I don't think I've I read one article or like I think even Mark Zuckerberg himself referenced Ready Player One mm. when yeah. he talked about the metaverse, for instance. Mm. So yeah. the, the, you have this sort of tentpole uh, works in popular culture that is easy to sort of point at. Even if when he says it, he says it. It's not going to be like that, but it's still like <laughs> yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. that people can yeah. sort of wrap their head around this idea of of the metaverse. No,
2: and, and sometimes you kind of feel that you need a, like a, a sci-fi refill. Uh, I mean, we've we've had a lot of themes now for a long time. It's mm. all Dyson Dyson spheres and uh, <laughs> and whatnot. It give us something new, uh, but it's um no, it's it's fascinating. Uh, it's either it's either something or it's not something. It's like right. a way of navigating, right?
1: there's so much in that in quantum though because it was in theory for so long mm. and so now you know and, and there's a lot of questions around you know will it work when will it work there's a lot of skeptics you know the people that i think hype it the most you know there's there's always questions about how much should you hype it versus you know how much should you be focused on what it's what it's actually doing and when you spend time with the tech and you know how hard it is to to actually create a quantum computer and where we actually are in that in that cycle of innovation it's very easy to get excited but you also understand the you know the pessimism and the skepticism because it's an enormously difficult task i mean and you just you just have a ton of respect for the people that are doing it mm. i think trying to like latch on to different use cases is not just use cases but like we i think ted makes fun of me for spending too much time actually <laughs> thinking about it and getting excited about it but i really <laughs> did because i mean if you're if it works right and you're using multi dimensions to create an outcome in in your reality, that's a total like that. That should do something within you as a human being. Yeah. It, yeah. If it doesn't, like, you should, you should probably spend some time with why it doesn't. Uh-huh. In, in my personal view, like, if you if we create a drug by using multi dimensions for you to have an outcome in the reality you're experiencing, what what would that do for people's psyche?
0: Hmm.
1: if if you're using an app that does a you know a route optimization that's actually looking into multiple states of what's happening again this is this is where we're hoping the tech's going to go
2: but to to make it clear the the quantum computer in this dimension is collaborating with quantum computers in, <laughs> in other <others>. dimensions <laughs> to give back results we don't know about that yet yeah. But. No, but, but, it, but yeah, but, yeah. yeah, yeah but, but but it's just but like it's that like thinking about it like that but yeah that, but like
1: that that should that should if that doesn't get you going and get you actually kind of okay mm. these are the things that living in 2021 are, are things that people are working on, I, I, I mean, come on.
2: I, I have a thing that, uh, you, you know, Gremlins, it says you shouldn't uh, feed them after midnight. Yeah. You shouldn't talk <laughs> to Greg about quantum computing because then he uh, can go down into the quantum hole again. Yeah, I was just, just going to say. Well, it was for six months.
0: Yeah. I think we have a full hour or two of quantum talk ahead of us, but unfortunately, uh, or perhaps fortunately, this, this, just this just studio dead, is going to close in 10 minutes. Yeah. So we have yeah. to kind of wrap it up. Yeah. But I'd love to come back uh, on that subject as it is uh, a true fascinating one. Um, so uh, let's pull back a little bit more to to the reality and uh, a little bit of shorter term perspective. I'm curious, uh, where do you put yourself in this field? Are you the only ones do going into fr- frontier like this, or are there other players uh, doing good work and, and investments that you? Um,
2: totally. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're for sure yeah. n- not alone, and for no. sure not first either. No. I think we're it's, it's just that we're we're one of the larger ones, and maybe traditionally journalist ones that started to sort of getting closer to this to this field so i mean we're in many ways noobs in this uh, in this case
1: yeah and i think we're trying to we're trying to advance it in a way that you know who knows how well we're doing yet but i think a big part of it is like you were bringing up conrad i mean but the elements around this that could actually help move things forward that that's what we're, tr- we're, we're trying to be humble about it first which is to say Look, n- neither of us are the ones in the labs. Neither of us are the ones that are they're at the fundamental you know, edge of that. But what we can do you know, is kind of help connect a lot of those dots. And we have a great platform to be able to do it you know, with EQT. And I think that's a really cool opportunity for us. Um, and so we're, we're doing the best that we can to advance that. But there's a lot of players out there that have been doing this for a long time that have basically built the entire ecosystem. What's cool is that because it feels like, and, and we would argue that we are in the early innings of this, it's still a pretty small community of people that are that are engaged in the stuff that are doing it and I think as Ted mentioned before with climate we're seeing a lot of funds that are coming out now um, that are deep tech frontier tech companies that are working either exclusively on climate or are increasingly seeing that intersection or convergence again between between climate and frontier and you know even folks like Daniel Eck here in Stockholm who you know devoted an enormous amount of his personal wealth to, you know, a fund called Premium Materia that's going to be doing, you know, Frontier Tech exclusively, that, that, I think, is really inspiring for all of us because that's a fundamental shift in where wealth used to be transferred. It used to go into other forms of philanthropy, the arts, of course, which was obviously very important, education, mm-hmm. and it's increasingly going into these technologies, which I think, I don't think there's a more exciting space to invest, frankly.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Is there uh, anything? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are many things we could still talk about in terms of all these technologies, kind of scratching the surface. But is there anything y- you want to add to to this conversation, uh, as retain, you know, pertaining to where you are right now or what's happening?
2: Oof, there is so much going on right <laughs> now. I mean, yeah. Carbon capture, right now that we're discussing, we 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 just uh, invested into um, into a precision fermentation. Cheese company mm. called Formo which is really exciting. Um, but it's it's just 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 so much. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I don't want to talk about is, is is quantum. I'm I'm done. It's that. <laughs> <That's> good.
0: <laughs> we'll leave it at at uh, at that. Um, Ted Passon, uh Gregory Bernstein. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank, thank you. you. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olsen. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.